Designers are notorious for not being able to manage themselves. They're notorious for not being able to handle all the logistics as well as math and all that client relationships. Therefore, the need for introducing a kind of management group to actually guide the business all of a sudden became very essential. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Strzelka Institute podcast. This episode features Natasha Chen, a well-known graphic designer and Pentagram Design Studio partner who worked with Google, Chanel, Metropolitan Museum, Guggenheim Museum, MIT Architecture, and many others. In her lecture, Natasha dwells on Pentagram structure and explores the role of cooperation in creating ambitious projects. When you talk about a design practice, you know, as a kind of organization, you typically have two sort of organizations come to mind. One is a design studio, um, which implies a kind of smallness, a kind of boutique kind of nature. Or you would say it's a design firm, right? So when you hear firm, immediately um, it feels a lot bigger. But then um, there's also this kind of more neutralized term, um, a design office. You know, when you say design office, it doesn't imply whether it's big or small, implies that it is a design business of some sort. So in graphic design, in the last, um, I would say, several decades, there's a kind of new business model that's been emerging and now has become a kind of new normalcy. That is what I call an agency model. Particularly in, uh, in identity design now, there's this new term that we call branding, right? Branding is really sort of everywhere and um, it's a, has become one of the, I think, most popular career choices for graphic designers out of um, school is to get involved with branding. So I kind of just want to look at um, several really, you know, scaled, large and reputable branding agencies in the world that I believe um, a lot of graphic designers here are really familiar with, from Landor, Lippincott, Wolf Owens, and Panagram, and we can debate whether Panagram is a branding agency or not. We don't think we are, but we're somehow always situated we are with our branding agency colleagues. And lastly, um, Super Union, which was um, brand union. And this year, they got merged into um, a, a bigger agency with a couple of other um, agencies as well. So let's look at the sort of history of these um, five studios with pentagrams sort of situated in the middle. So first thing that you notice is that you know these um, studios were you know now agencies were founded over the stretch of about 30 years, starting out with um, Landor. So Landor was founded by Walter Landor, who um, was from Germany, and he created this incredibly successful um, identity design business. And now the company has many locations in the world. Um, Lippincott is a similar situation, incredibly exuberant practice back in the day when Gordon was alive. And um, looking into Wolf Owens, Michael Wolf and Wally Owens, um, they're no longer with a firm right now, and they're still, you know, practicing um, on their own. But now the firm is really large with global locations. So Pentagram was founded by five partners. And which is why um, they didn't name the firm by their last names because it would become extremely long. Um, so they named Pentagram, you know, which is the shape, you know, Pentagon. And then lastly, um, 
Brand Union, which is an interesting case because now it's sort of flipped into a totally different new um, agency, was founded by Terry um, Terrell and Sam Sampson, two guys. So what happened to these agencies? So in 1989, Landor was purchased by advertising agency YNR, which is owned by WPP. Um, WPP is one of the three largest conglomerate, media conglomerates um, in the world. Um, Lippincott, in 2007, it was um, acquired by Oliver Wyman, which is owned by Marsh. In 2001, Wolf Olens was acquired by um, Omnicom Group, another giant in the media landscape. And lastly, Brand Union, um, it was acquired um, in 86 by Omnicom Group. At that time, it was called Brand Union. In this year, 2018, Super Union um, came about. So. What do you see here? You kind of see a kind of very interesting pattern, right? That is, um, you have a really talented um, founder who is sort of regarded as a design master. And then this master produced incredible work and really gained reputation as well as clientele. So the business grew um, quite a bit. But then because the reputation was really large, um, that attracted a holding company, be it a conglomerate or not, to actually acquire the small business. But what happens after the holding company acquired the business is that you see the holding company begin to actually change or to design a completely different management-led structure. On the very top, you will have a CEO. Under the CEO is what we call the C-suite, from CMO, COO, CTO, CFO, so on and so forth. And then there is a bunch of VP underneath that. Under VP, you will have various directors. Underneath various directors, you will have senior um, designers or strategists, and then you will have juniors. So the tiers go on and on and on, but it's a very vertical model. What's interesting about this is that you can actually take this model because it's a management-led model. It's highly predictable and is very much driven by skill and by profit, right? So you can actually take it and just replicate it in a very, very fast speed across the globe, which explains why all these agencies, the four agencies now have many global locations within a very short period of time frame, thanks to this particular model. But what happens, I think essentially, is this kind of dichotomy that the business is, has been trying to answer. That is that designers are notorious for not being able to manage themselves. They're notorious for not being able to really kind of handle all the logistics as well as math and all that client relationships. Therefore, the need for introducing a kind of management group to actually guide the business all of a sudden became very essential. So what happens after that is that kind of complete disproportional relationship between the creatives who is actually the one bringing in um, or attracting business because of the creative work, but then somehow their sort of authority is really kind of dim diminished in this management-led process. And the benefit of a management-led process is for one thing, that is for scale, because you can really scale up the business as the business is highly um, replicable. So 
A couple of issues with that, and I think that you're all pretty familiar with, you know, what happens when, say, a business gets really, really large. Once the business gets large, your overhead increases because of your overhead increases, you need to actually make more money. And when you're not able to make profit, then the CEO is out. Or you get into another situation where the management is completely detached from the creative team who's actually doing the creative work because there's always a very big gap in terms of communication between the business side of things as well as the creative side of things. And you see that kind of fracturing come in. So Pentagram, we are sort of regarded by you know, a lot of clients as well as by designers as an agency. But Pentagram's design is really sort of the opposite of that, but we're not a kind of traditional studio or atelier either. So I'm gonna kind of explain a little bit how Pentagram um, works and how it was designed. So in 1972, five designers, Theo Crosby, Kenneth Grange, Colin Forbes, Mervyn Kolansky, and Alan Fletcher, they came together with a kind of very romantic idea, you know, and the idea I think that is still pretty romantic today. That is that they want to actually, first of all, be able to um, be the designer um, that they were, you know, continue to do the work that they enjoy to do and build their practice. But yet at the same time, they want to create a kind of sharing model that they share um, the general overhead, that is the rent, that is the printer, that is the secretary, that is the front desk, so on and so forth. So they came together with this idea to design a kind of design collective that I would characterize as designer's republic. You know, there's really no other better term to um, design this. Um, and I'm gonna explain a little bit how this works. So Colin Forbes was sort of really the kind of mastermind who really figured out a lot of details um, for the practice of Pentagram. So the idea was there very clearly but um, a lot of nitty-gritty details, as, as specifically as to how the different partners work together um, really had to be figured out. So Colin, Colin Forbes did a lot of work um, on that. He actually wrote an essay um, in the 80s, which you can actually find on the internet. It's very, very interesting. So the Pentagram model, again, designed, first of all, by the five founders, is to create a kind of collective. So the collective shares the similar, um, the general overhead. But then this collective can actually organic, organically grow into this kind of what we call a round table um, situation. In Pentagram now, we have 21 partners globally. In New York, we have um, eight partners. So as an organization, all together, the 21 of us, we're actually a kind of round table um, organization, meaning every critical decision has to be okayed by all of us, okay? So it's a kind of consensus-based decision-making. We don't have a CEO. And then the other thing that's really important is that each of us is a completely independent design group or design studio. But we're not really, each of us is not really a studio because we have partners, right? But creatively, 
we're completely independent. So you will never see two partners actually run the same type of business with the same type of clientele and projects because the decisions on which projects we want to take and how we want to build our practice is entirely dependent on the individual. So you never see two partners are alike at Pentagram. Therefore, the work, the outcome, is completely different from one to another. And then another thing that's very important, um, and this is something that most people don't know, is that because you're, you know, each of our practice is very different. For example, someone can focus, you know, his business entirely on editorial design. The other one can actually focus mostly on the entertainment business, right? So because the area of focus is completely different, the profits from each group or each partner, each vertical, however you call it, varies, right? Because some would make more money working on certain projects, others would not. But what we do is that the entire profits and the various different profits from the group will get aggregated together into a total sum. And then this total sum would then get redistributed evenly back to the partners, meaning that it doesn't matter what we choose to do. From editorial design to corporate clientele, our salaries are entirely the same. So it's a kind of socialist system that kind of binds us together. So what does this mean? If you think about this a little bit more deeply, this doesn't mean that you can actually be a irresponsible person, just do whatever small things that you want to do. Because your profit or your profitability actually affect your partners and everybody else's. So you have to think very responsibly as well. But this is not a management-led or business or profit or scale-led um, model. This is about a personal, personal sense of responsibility. Balance your um, creative um, desire. So continue with that. How do we actually make decisions? So we're completely governed by ourselves, meaning a bunch of designers. We have committees. So the, there, there are three um, committees um, across the bigger um, group. So there's a policy committee, which consists of mostly more senior partners because they've been around the organization for a long time. They're able, more able to make policy-related um, decisions. And once decisions are made, the policy committee will come back to the bigger group and report to us. And we all have to agree on the policies that are established by the policy committee. Um, the same thing goes for the finance committee and the communication committee. So we're a committee-based um, organization, but then the whole group has to say okay to that. So another kind of really unique thing about Pentagram is that because each partner is very different, every time there's a new partner joining the organization, it completely changes the very fabric of practice. So um, there's never a time that we can actually say that we are a branding agency or we focus on this and that just because the very fabric of partner changes. So it's a kind of ever-evolving um, self-regenerative business model. Another thing about um, joining Pentagram as a partner is that you don't buy in as, you know, typically if you join a large agency as a leader, you have to buy in, right? 
put some share in at Pentagram, you're only invited to um, to become a partner. You don't have to buy in anything or bring in anything, which is another incredible sort of uh, philosophy of the organization. We're really broad in terms of generations. You know, we have pretty much four generations of designers all working under one roof. And this is a kind of very special thing that you don't see um, elsewhere. You know, it's either a really, really young um, group or it's a lot more senior, but you don't see this kind of interesting generational mixture elsewhere. That's sort of how we built our portfolio as well as our business. And I kind of really believe that kind of approach, you know, which is a kind of idea-driven or, you know, sort of principle-driven um, approach to um, design business can kind of only happen with this kind of very particular um, and unique pentagram model. Stralka Institute podcast is where we publish some of the most popular lectures that took place at Stralka throughout the years. In the episode's description, you can find the link to the video recording of Natasha's talk that took place at the Institute in 2018. Subscribe everywhere and listen to our lectures on any platform where you get your podcasts. See you around!